Sharing with Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They've been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for the creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. Today we're welcoming award-winning artist Bruce Brenice. Did I get it right? <laughs> you got it right. Yay! Uh, <laughs> he actually won for the... Um, Writers and Illustrators of the Future Award um, for his for his illustration, and we'll be talking about that a little later. Um, it's been a very strange year. I mean, it was a great year up until like a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but after that, the world's been on its head. How do you feel about it? <laughs> Uh, well, it certainly impacted me a lot, a lot actually. Um, I had originally been set to visit my Chinese in-laws uh, in China uh, at the end of January, beginning of February. So the first indication that the year was going to go awry was me having to cancel my, uh, my tickets for three weeks of vacation and then uh, convention started canceling and as a artist who brings his art to a lot of conventions I had 12 lined up for this year and they're dropping like flies so <laughs> it's, it's been a big adjustment for sure. Even though it's at the end of the year because I'm, we're, I hope by the end of the year we will be back to like at least business I don't know. I mean, I, I, I try to stay optimistic and, and fingers crossed and knock on wood and all of that, uh, but I'm not counting on it. Uh, currently, I'm making a big pivot back towards more freelance uh, art income because I can do that from my home studio and I don't have to worry about events canceling at the last minute. So we'll see. I know. It's just bizarre, isn't it? It's just all the things you, you, all the touchstones like movie theaters and uh, going to a hotel for and to a restaurant in a hotel for a nice dinner, which both are gone. Um, I yeah. mean, going to, going to a grocery store and having to wait in line—it's bizarre. And people fighting yeah. over things that are just right, like, right. You would fight over it's bizarre. <laughs> Well, every every aspect of um, the status quo of what people are used to life being like in this country is impacted, and that certainly changes people's behaviors and changes how people interact with each other quite a bit. And it's definitely throwing uh, the whole <laughs> the whole country, well, the the whole world really, uh, for a loop. It is. Scary time, but I think actually, this is going to sound weird. I hope they find a cure for this thing, and uh, everybody gets cured very quickly because uh, it's very deadly, and I want everybody to stay safe. But yes, absolutely. Maybe <laughs> but maybe it'll teach people that we're all connected to each other. We're all there's with one planet. We really have no way of getting off yet. We're working on it, but we have no way of getting off yet. And we all we have is each other, and we're connected. And this Very disease true. is showing it really clearly. 
Yeah, I really hope people take take some of those lessons to heart. Obviously, you know, any any disaster that comes along does carry some some lessons that we can learn and, and hopefully grow from. And uh, yeah, that's that's my hope as well that that people learn to appreciate their community and uh, try to help each other uh, through this. And we'll all come through much better if we do. Yeah. I know. That's what I'm hoping for really, really hard. <laughs> that, <laughs> that we grow up. That, that we as a civilization grow up and see, you know, we're all connected. We're all the same. We all can get this disease. We can all get very sick. It's, we're all connected to one planet. Right. <laughs> and we all know people who are one way or another vulnerable to you know, it's not like anyone is, is not <laughs> able to be impacted. You know, you have people in your life uh, who are, you know, uh, maybe have other sicknesses or who are just, you know, older or, you know, in other ways uh, particularly likely to be impacted by this. So we have to do our best for them. That's right. That's right. And it's interesting because I've been through two major earthquakes, and one thing – I don't remember the second, the first one very well because I was a little girl, but the second one was Northridge, and I remember it very well. Um, and one thing that's really interesting is that after a major, major disaster like that, people are so nice to each other. I mean, people actually are polite, both on the road and in person. It is like the weirdest thing. So I'm kind of hoping... <laughs> Hoping for this kind of reaction, yeah. <laughs> yeah, worldwide. <laughs> that once we get over and 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 everybody's kind of like in that that oh my god we survived thing, that people start acting polite and nice and understanding, and even if it's short term, it maybe it'll make a bridge. <laughs> right, right. Uh. uh... <laughs> A little behavioral boost off the end of this thing. Yeah, hope I know. so. I'm just, it's my way of being positive. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> to well, we have to, to be positive <laughs> how we can, right? When there's a lot of negative out there. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your art. Um, when did you start uh, doing art? Did you do it as a child? And who was your inspiration? Sure. Well, uh, absolutely as a child, uh, definitely from the age of, of three on, uh, art was always an activity that I was interested in, and especially I liked drawing maps uh, all through childhood, grade school on up. Um, that was often an activity that I would do uh, on the back of my uh, worksheets in class and uh, kind of carry myself off to other worlds when I'm supposed to be concentrating. Um, as for inspirations, I've certainly got a lot. Um, I grew up in a household where I was uh, surrounded by art. My grandfather, Harry Berg, was a professional illustrator. He oh. mostly did a lot of like scientific illustration. Uh, he illustrated books about the, the lives of of various woodland creatures, moose and uh, chipmunks and 
um, various other other creatures. Uh, he had one about a beaver, <laughs> and uh, so he actually painted um, paintings of, of landscapes and of creatures, and uh, we had a lot of those hanging up in our house when I was growing up, so he was a big inspiration for sure. And then as far as like science fiction and fantasy stuff, I, I certainly started reading a lot of um, especially fantasy books, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and all that uh, when I was still a kid and uh, seeing the illustrations that came with it, imagining different worlds uh, has always been kind of a, a thing in my life. And um, I guess when I was a little older, I started seeing some of the um, art collections of science fiction fantasy illustrators in the nearby uh, Barnes and Noble and um, artists like Keith Parkinson, who did a lot of art for D&D, for example, and um, Michael Whalen, who did a lot of covers, I think especially in like the 80s and 90s. Uh, he was probably one of the, the tippy-top artists in the field um, doing like most of the covers of the books that I was reading at the library um, uh, were, were particular inspirations for me. Did you, um, okay, this is a really strange question, but did you read fan fiction and did you illustrate for fan fiction? Uh, not really. I was never really in that particular scene. Um, I think fan fiction might have been a very different kind of thing back at the time when I was, um, because I grew up just as the internet was starting to be a thing. I was still in grade school when, you know, like in the early 90s when when the internet finally hit the, the public consciousness. Um, my family uh, worked in a university and they were early adopters. And so we had like one of those really screechy modems and, and all the rest of that. But at that time, like the internet was words on a screen and uh, mostly connections to the local university and nothing much beyond that. So I think the the fan fiction community has, has definitely uh, grown and, and become much more influential in, I don't know, like the last few decades, but it wasn't no, really uh, as much old. of a presence maybe. I'm a little older than you, so a lot older. But so I know fan fiction has been around for years, since World War okay. II, even before World War II. And uh, they used to – at convention sell booklets of fan fiction. Oh, okay. And people uh, would, like, uh, have them in the, uh, at the convention. You would, like, if you were a reader like me, you would run to the thing and go through and see if you could find your show that you like to, and, and if they have any fan fiction, that the style you like. And, um, in fact, I have one of my best friends illustrated for fan fiction. It was a, okay. it was a great yeah. Because it, uh, she got feedback from not just from the people who published those little booklets, but from the fans about it. And then she mm -hmm. started getting real jobs from that. So that's why I asked. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think. And, and so perhaps part of that for me is that I really never um, went to conventions growing up either. Uh, it just wasn't something that my family did. I wasn't, I think I might have been barely aware 
that like fan conventions and, and chin conventions were even a thing. Um, and so the first convention I ever actually attended was Emerald City Comic Con in like 2016. <laughs> so I was like just completely out of the loop on that. Um, never really coming across any any of that uh, part of culture until relatively recently. Okay, I just was curious because um, my, yeah. there are a few illustrators I've talked to that actually it helped them. It, it was like oh yeah, it was like a secondary schooling um, because I, we're getting feedback from the people who actually read it and and looked at. Well, the I I would say there is one thing that sort of along those lines. Um, I, I did actually take part and contribute to a fan game, a computer game. Uh, I was a big fan of the uh, Sierra Online and uh, LucasArts uh, point-and-click adventure games growing up. And so when I was sort of coming back and trying to get my career going, I actually came across this thing where a group of fans were doing a continuation of one of the games that I liked, the King's Quest series. And uh, so I actually submitted art uh, to, they had kind of like a a, um, a fanzine, I guess you could call it, uh, to go along with and to support their effort in making a fan uh, computer game. And so I did some art for their fanzine, and then I did some art for the game itself, some, and then that was sort of, what led me into doing uh, professional work. So I guess that would count as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is part of it. Um, it did you have, like, um, movies or TV shows growing up that were things that were, oh, my God, this is just what I've been looking for, you know, that you got really inspired by? Uh, sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I guess looking... Looking back to when I was growing up, um, uh, probably stuff like Jurassic Park and, um, you know, X-Files and, you know, any, any kind of uh, genre fair, any, anything that had a whiff of fantasy or science fiction about it was probably of interest uh, to me at the time. Um, interestingly, when I was when I was younger, I was actually doing many more maps than illustrations. So if I saw something like Jurassic Park, I would make maps of Jurassic Park style islands, you know, sort of um, theme parks for, you know, uh, for dinosaurs or for dragons or for other sorts of things that had similarly uh, come into, into <laughs> a moment of chaos and, and we're now um, dangerous places. So I would sort of, yeah, I would sort of reimagine and, and interact with it by creating maps oftentimes. And then I would just have the, the story would sort of be in my head as connected with the map. So I could look at the map and I could see, okay, well, this happened here and that's why it looks the way it does. And, and uh, I could create a whole story off of a map. That's interesting. That's really cool. I've heard that before. I don't remember who it was, but there was an artist that um, he was a fine artist who started by uh, I think it was he was I can't 
can't remember the artist's name, but he read Treasure Island, and it really th- uh, thrilled him. And this mm-hmm. was back. It was. It wasn't when it first came out. I mean, I think it was like the fifties when he, this artist mm-hmm. died, and I can't remember who it is. You know, age. Um, and he said that um, he started drawing a map of Treasure Island based on the book, not the movie, but the book. Mm-hmm. And then when he saw the movie back uh, when he was watching movies and TV shows and stuff, you had to wait for it to come on. There were no tapes or DVDs or downloads, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he had to wait. He did, The movie came on to TV in the 60s, so he was a teenager, and he said that he saw the movie, and he said that gave more stuff. So he he has a map, and then he started creating uh, paintings that match the map and the movie, and it just in, in ignited him. That's why I asked mm-hmm. the question because it's really interesting the how one thing that may not be involved with what you're doing at all can just ignite something else. Right, right. It can create a, a chain of inspiration. Right. Isn't that cool? The way the human yeah. mind works. That is really cool. Um, so uh, now you um, are you, you entered the writers and illustrators of the future. Um, what was the process like? And um, how did you find out about it? And did you know about it from before, or did a friend recommend it? How did that happen? Right, right. Um, so I had seen it mentioned a few times by uh, one of the people who actually runs the artist workshop part of that program, um, Lazarus Chernick. Um, he and his, his uh, wife, Echo, are actually the artists who who run the the, um, the artist side of things and sort of run the workshop and, and teach uh, art business skills and things like that. So I'd seen him mention it and thought, oh, I'll, I'll go for it and uh, managed to get in. Uh, the process is pretty much just you submit some of your personal work since they're looking for people who are essentially at the, the moment or before they've managed to break in and gotten a number of clients. And I, I managed to do this like right before I kind of uh, managed to um, get kind of my big break working with one of the tabletop RPG publishers. And so I submitted some of my personal work and um, like half a year later, they, they let me know that I had, I had gotten in and then uh, the process is that they'll match you up with one of the uh, winning short stories for the writing side of the contest, and you illustrate that. And then uh, about a year or so after I had been initially notified that I'd gotten in, uh, they have this week-long workshop as well as the award ceremony. And the workshop is pretty intense. You're, you're um, spending a lot of time with uh, 
Echo and, and Lazarus, as I mentioned, and they're going over a lot of the um, the business of art, how to manage contracts and negotiations and dealing with art directors and all of the things that are involved in making a profession of, of being an illustrator. That's cool. And um, so did you, did you, um, it's hard to talk about because I know a lot of stuff got canceled. Um, sure. Did you get to meet up with your, uh, your author or was that canceled before you got to do that? Oh, well, so um, I'm not from this year's batch. So uh, mine was, was in 2018, and oh, so I got okay. to do the whole thing. Yeah, I got to do the, the whole event, and it was wonderful. I got to meet a lot of nice people, and I got to meet the, the author that my art was matched with, and I've got some great photos that, that uh, someone had taken of the moment where she, she saw the art, and she really teared up, and, and it was a very warm, emotional moment. We had a hug, and uh, yeah, it was it was a really special, uh, special moment. That's really. I, I think that must be really interesting. It's like because I write radio plays, and and when I hear the actors do my words, it's very emotional. So it must have been very emotional for her to see the illustrations you did, like. Did it make you cry? Oh yeah, yeah. They they have they have like a whole kind of, you know, like you get to know the writers a bit uh, during the preceding week, and then later in the week, um, they have an unveiling uh, where uh, all of the all of the authors come into the room, and and the art has been set up on easels around the room, and they have to go and find the art that matches their their. Um, their story and so they're searching around the room and it's you know I think there's a little bit of nerves on both ends you know the the writers hoping that they they can find the the art and that they'll like it and likewise the artists hoping that the whole process will go smoothly and uh, from what I saw it was it was very much uh, similar for for all the artists and authors they all um, had a, a really warm emotional moment there when, when they connected up. I think that it's a very, it's very special, the connection. My best friend, uh, the, the girl I was talking about before, uh, she's my illustrator, and but she understands me so well because we've known each other since we were teens. So, mm -hmm. but it was like, um, she said, my I had a book I wrote, which was um, a children's book, and um, it was, like, for toddlers. And so I wrote the book, and then I, t I sent it to her, and she says, well, what do you want? And I gave her, like, really finite descriptions, just basically what I had the feelings for, but not exactly, because I didn't want to – I don't know how people describe things to you when they're when you're working with them. But I don't want to inhibit them by my own vision. I, I'd rather it be a, a, a mutual thing. And if I don't, if there's something off, you know, we could talk about it because you just sketch this first. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, I just kind of give her little tidbits of what I want, and then she goes. But I never have to have her uh, rearrange because she gets me, and it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it, it, it definitely varies. Yeah, uh, from from client to client, it, it varies uh, how they approach the process. And so um, sometimes I get a lot of leeway and sometimes a, a middling amount, sometimes uh, not as much. And you just kind of have to lean into whatever the process has to be uh, for the specific client and the specific uh, project. And do you find that difficult? Um, most of the time it's it's fine. Like there's definitely some times where, you know, you kind of have to stack, take a step back and, you know, you might get like, you, you make the art, of course, and you're very attached to it because, you know, art's a very personal process. Um, right. And then you get, you know, feedback, oh, well, this needs to change or that needs to change. And, and it can be kind of a tough moment, I think, for an artist uh, at that time. But you just have to kind of take a step back from it and be like, okay, you know, this is what's needed for the client. And it's not a personal piece that I'm making for myself. It is a piece that I am making for them, and I'm being paid to to do so as a, a professional. So you just you know take a take a step back, breathe in, breathe out, and then you know approach it professionally. And you're like, okay, sure, let's let's see how we can um, we can change this. And if I think there are legitimate reasons uh, why it has to be this way versus that, then you know let's just have that as a, a conversation. Um, and uh, move on from there. Are you excited about the release? Uh, um, oh well, your book. I, I guess your, your illustration isn't in it, but I know that on April seventh, there's the uh, release of the new book, uh, L. Ron Hubbard presents Writers of the Future, Volume Thirty Six. Um, are you part of that, or are you like, were you a judge? Uh, no, so I wasn't really directly involved with uh, this year's volume. Uh, the volume that I'm in is is volume 34 from a couple years ago, and it was certainly very exciting to to have my art in that and to to be part of that uh, process. I have uh, recommended the contest to other artists that I know, and so I think there were about four artists um, of my acquaintance uh, who managed to get into last year's. And uh, this year, a friend of mine named Ben Hill from um, from uh, Florida uh, managed to get in. And Ben's a wonderful guy. I, I've known him for for um, several years now, and uh, met him at various conventions and and uh, workshops and get-togethers. Um, so it was exciting to see that he got into this year's uh, volume, and so his art will be in it. And I think I actually did get to see his art at one point and uh, looked like a really, uh, really amazing piece uh, that he has in this, um, in this edition, in this volume. So I'm excited to, I'm very excited for him. It's a shame they don't get their week though. Yes, I, that that's really unfortunate. I don't know what, uh, you know, what if any, um, way to they'll they'll try to to deal with that if they'll have some of these artists back for a future event or just a local um get together to to help promote the book uh certainly we had a, a couple of those here in seattle when um for, for the book that i was in um but yeah it, it is unfortunate that they're having to take these kinds of precautions and and call off a lot of uh special events this year I hope that, you know, for the artist's sake, both, you know, both the writer 
authors and the illustrators that they get to um, do it either later in the year or early next year or something like that. So they yeah. get their moment to shine. It, you know, it's not fair to them. They 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 should get their moment to shine. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I guess, unfortunately, just, you know, events that are too too powerful to stand in the way of. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope that they can um, they can do something uh, for those artists and, and writers because it, it was a very fun, special experience. Um, it's, it's just, it's interesting. Um, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, so... What I'd like to know is, do you have a website? Do you have um, any kind of, like, online things that are coming up that might be interest to people? Um, I know a lot of artists are doing that, like demonstrations of their art. On sure, online. sure, yeah. Um, yeah, have- so my I do have a website. So I, I have uh, – my website is just my name, uh, brucebernizzi.com. Um, and my, my last name is a difficult one, uh, to, to spell. I don't know if you've, you've got some sort of way for, for listeners to, to see show notes or anything, but basically if you've got my name, you just have to look up my name. It's, it's incredibly unique. There's no one else out there named Bruce Bernaysi. So when you do a search for me, you find all of my social media and my website and uh, I do have a shop on there with my art on it. I'm also doing a Patreon, um, and it's, again, just patreon.com with my name, Bruce Bernaysi, um, and I'm doing my own kind of world-building, imaginative art, uh, personal art on there. And um, I'm also taking part in something called ChangelingCon. That's uh, a bunch of artists doing sort of an online convention with online demonstrations and um, talks. It's interesting how everything's switching over, isn't it? I mean, um, I was uh, I, I I belong to the old globe over here in San Diego, and they're doing a lot of online stuff. And I I'm from LA, and I because I was in theater there, I'm getting a lot of stuff from different theaters I belong to uh, for online stuff. Um, do you think that this might actually be better in some ways because you're, you're going to get an international audience instead of just U.S. or local? Um, I don't know that I would say it's it's better. I think there's something very special about meeting people in person. So both as you know, someone who lives off of you know selling uh, the art that I make. Um, making a connection with people, getting to have a conversation about the art. Uh, it not only leads to more sales, it leads to stronger fan base. Um, and it's just, it's really kind of fun for me as well to be able to get out of the studio and connect with people. So I think yeah. that's really, really hard to, to replicate with um, online events, even if you're reaching out to a, a worldwide audience to some degree um even on the internet the worldwide audience is segmented by language and by um you know many countries have have filters and things that that can be an impediment to accessing uh things like this 
uh, or maybe just you know slow internet speeds even in some cases. So yeah, it's it's hard to say that it it weighs in favor. I think that society as a whole is is you know adapting to the situation, and some of those adaptations are useful things that you know we may even retain after things have gotten back to a more more normal sort of um, situation. But I am looking forward to being able to do physical in-person conventions again. And I think it will definitely be important for my business to be able to do them again. I like doing that. I agree. Uh, I like being at a convention. I like meeting people who are readers of my books and stories. And I like... I like the interaction, and like you, I work at home. It's nice to get out and meet people. <laughs> yeah, one. I suppose one one <laughs> silver lining is that because I already worked from home, it wasn't really a, a big adjustment for me to just continue yeah. working from home. Everyone's talking about, oh my goodness, it's it's such a an adjustment, and and it's difficult to have the whole family here stuck together and. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And I mean that was already my life, so I was already <laughs> used to it. Yeah, I know. It, 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 in some ways, I that's true. But in other ways, like I, I'm not used to not being able to pop into my car and drive over to a movie theater and watch catch a film that I want to see or something. You know, not having that freedom is yeah. a little bizarre. Um, <laughs> or, or a restaurant, or go to the village that's near me, and and go into one of the shops I like, you know, and all that I can't do. So it's that part I I feel more yeah. than the work at home part. You know right? I mean? Yeah, it's it's the ability exactly. It's the ability to even in the in the course of a normal day, maybe I work on art for for part of it, and then. Yeah, being able to to go outside and you know take some stuff down to the the post office and stop by the the public library and you know uh, maybe stop by a, a cafe for a, um, for a Thai tea or something like that. That's you know just nice to be able to to treat yourself by going out into public uh, and you can't really do a lot of that anymore. I know it's just bizarre. Let's or when pose. you do go out there, it's like this furtive little quest that you're trying to <laughs> to get back home with minimal interaction. Yeah, it's like Indiana Jones, except instead of hunting a relic, you're trying to protect your 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 surroundings. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so we're almost at the end. Actually, we're at the end. So I want to. Are you online? Do you have, like, are you on Instagram um, and uh, Facebook and all those things? I, I mean, give you yes, website. Yes, I, I do know. all of those things. Uh, I guess the easiest one is Twitter, where I'm just uh, Bruce Draws. And um, Instagram is at Bruce Bernizzi. Facebook is B. Bren Works. And I don't know what other socials people need, but uh, Patreon as well is, is one of my main ones where I, I get to hang out with my super fans. And is that under your name? Yes, yes. That's just Bruce Bernizzi, um on on Patreon. Okay. 
dot com. Okay, so that will that make it a little easier for people to find you. I know you're you're busy. Um, okay, so I I just got a message. I just want to make sure that I have everything in here. message he sent me is what you said, so I don't need to say that. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I know it's been a little different because we couldn't talk about the awards. Um, and like I said, sure. I hope that awards is at the um, the end of the year and that they get to do it because you've been through it and you know that's a really big deal. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. I really hope so. I do, too. Um, Thank you, Bruce. Um, I hope you had a good time. All right. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. (laughs) 